Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. At our youth group, we just wrapped up a five-week-long series on dating, relationships, and sex, which is every youth pastor's favorite teaching series. No. Um, But we got through it. It was great. Kids got a lot out of it, I think. And um, actually, next week, um, my wife and I are going to Japan to visit her parents, visit their their church there that um, our church here is connected with, our sister church in Japan. Um, I'll be ministering there as well. You can pray for me because I'm also going to be talking about sex and relationships and marriage in Japan. So if it's hard enough to do it in front of teenage Americans, imagine how difficult it will be for talking in front of people in a different language. I'm not speaking in Japanese. We'll have a translator, right? You? I'm trying to get my wife to translate. She can totally do it, but she's still a little nervous. So it'll be great. Um, but here, I'm, I'm just really glad that I'm not talking about sex this morning with you guys. I did last time I was here. I feel like that's all I ever preach about these days. But this morning, we're continuing our sermon series. I need my clicker on the non-negotiables. We've been going through uh, the Nicene Creed, an ancient statement of faith that outlines just the basics about what we believe as Christians. It's really amazing that um, for so many generations, these have been an agreed-upon statement of faith that has really guided the church through a lot of times. A lot of generations. So it's an amazing thing. I'm glad we're going through it. Um, and in recent weeks, we've talked about who is God? Who is Jesus? Why did He come? Last week, Pastor Mark had the privilege of talking about judgment on Easter Sunday, which I, I don't know how you did it, Mark. I'm sure it was great. It was great in Kalamazoo. I'm sure it was great here as well. Um, but today we are talking about the Holy Spirit. And before I go any further, I just want to talk to you a little bit about my experience with the Holy Spirit, my kind of upbringing in church. Sometimes people will ask you, what is your denomination? And for me, it's a little bit of a difficult question to answer. So what I usually tell them is I, I grew up in a tongue-speaking, new wine-drinking, Holy Spirit-shaking, flag-lady-waving, can't-be-mistaken, charismatic, spirit-filled church. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. And then usually, after I tell them that, they slowly back away. Because it's a little bit weird, right? There's a a little bit of a mystery about the charismatic church, and I like that. It's really cool. Um, I grew up as a kid, just a little guy, um, when the Toronto Blessing revival first broke out. And that was a cool time to be a young person, especially when my parents took me out to Toronto multiple times, saw amazing healings and crazy stuff happening, and I'm pretty sure that we went to every single revival service in the southwest Michigan area. My parents took me to all of them. And they were great, right? You know, flags are waving, people are shouting, there's laughing, there's just all this energy and it's awesome. Um, but two hours into that opening song, my eight-year-old butt was ready to go home, right? And then eventually, the preacher would come up. And it was usually one of those preachers who, who begin their sermon with a sermon. How many know those people I'm talking about? Guilty sometimes. Um, 
it'll build up, right? Build up, build up, build up. 45 minutes into his teaching and you're like, here it is. My eight-year-old butt's like, here we go. It's about to be over. And then he'll say, there's my introduction. Why don't you open your Bibles? We're about to get going. There's nothing more deflating for an eight-year-old to hear those words. Except for maybe, I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this. To the point where, I don't believe anything you've told me because you're lying to me about that. When I told that to the church in Kalamazoo, all my youth groupers were like, that's where he gets that from. It all makes sense now. I'm known to do that. I'll try not to do that this morning. I don't want to lie to you. So this is the type of church background I came from. I saw people openly laughing, weeping, dancing, full of joy, all in the same uh, Sunday morning service or revival service. And the first time I saw someone slain in the Spirit um, was a woman maybe 14, 15 years old, and there wasn't a catcher. And she just laid out flat on her back onto the concrete floor, bounced right up, <laughs> praise Jesus, and as we were driving home, I was just joking with my mom and saying, I think the Holy Spirit just let her fall over and so, so that he could later heal her. And, and my mom didn't laugh. It wasn't very funny. But that's the type of church I'm familiar with. I went out to college. I struggled to find a church where I fit in, so I did some church hopping. And at one point, I visited a church with some friends of mine, a, a Greek Orthodox church. Turns out... The Greek Orthodox Church is a little different than my church background. Just a little bit. I remember walking in, there were the priests in their, their holy garments. They are spreading incense throughout the church, right? Um, I remember reading the liturgy texts, reading the prayers, doing some sitting and standing. A lot of sitting and standing if you've been in one of those churches. And I remember after the service talking with my friend about the differences between our churches and trying to have a civil discussion about it, which is impossible. And I remember talking to them about, oh, your, your church needs to have um, more of the Holy Spirit. Needs to have more joy. Needs to have more dancing. More. How about just start with having some music? And then they would say, oh, I don't know what's going on in your church, but it certainly is not the Holy Spirit. So I remember this argument, and it kind of illustrates for us that there are differing opinions on the Holy Spirit and how He moves, right? Everything from from this to this, and really everything in between, right? And we both, my friend and I both thought that we knew the real Holy Spirit. Um, but the problem was we'd go to church on Sunday. We said that we, we were encountering the Holy Spirit. But by Monday, we were out drinking too much or looking at pornography or just living like the rest of the world. You see, we had wildly different experiences and beliefs about who the Holy Spirit was, but we had one thing in common. We did not know the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit never enters someone and leaves them the same as the world. The Holy Spirit never enters someone and leaves them the same as the world. We had, um, so I think too often Christians, sometimes we, we view the Holy Spirit as sort of an add-on 
or a bonus, right? Kind of like um, those infomercials. Three payments of 19.95. You can own a Chopomatic, your very own Chopomatic. And if you act right now, we will throw in a pair of sauna pants. Okay. Do I really need a pair of sauna pants? I mean, I came here for the Chopomatic. No, but it certainly would be nice to have. And I feel like sometimes maybe we treat the Holy Spirit in a similar way that we don't need Him, but He's certainly nice to have. We enjoy the peace, the joy, the comfort that He provides at church on Sunday, but by Monday morning, I want to live how I want to live. So clearly, there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. He's possibly the most mysterious and possibly the most misunderstood member of the Trinity. So we're going to do our best this morning to try to demystify who he is, There's a, which is a very difficult to ask because he is a mystery. But we're going to, we're going to go over the, the things that we do know that are outlined in the Nicene Creed. But before we go any further, I'd like to read the Creed together. Is that really small? Can you guys read that? Okay. So I just want to read it together. If you would stand with me, we're going to read um, the Creed as a statement of faith um, as a body, and then we'll move forward um, with the teaching. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and by the power of the Holy Spirit He was born of the Virgin Mary and became human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day He rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. He shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and Giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. There's power in that. You may be seated. We're going to today look at just one section of the creed. That's the one about the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and Giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. That is the section of the creed we'll be focusing on this morning. Sound good? Awesome. So before we go any further, I just want to get it right out of the way. Um, the main point that I want to um, share with you this morning, and that is that the Holy Spirit is not an add-on. He's not a bonus for three reasons that are outlined in the creed. The first is that He is Lord. That should be enough. Uh, the second is that He's always spoken to us and He continues to speak to us truth. And the third is that He brings life. Does that sound good? Sounds simple enough? Awesome. So I want to start with um, this phrase, spoke by the prophets. And wh- why was that included in the creed? Why was that so important to mention that the, 
of the Holy Spirit spoke by the prophets. There was a belief during the time that the Nicene Creed was being written that the Holy Spirit didn't even exist until Pentecost. Like somehow the Holy Spirit wasn't around until He was sent to to earth. Which today seems like a ridiculous concept, I think, for most Christians. But this this phrase, this part of the creed, um, illustrates a very important point. It affirms that the Holy Spirit has been alive and active in every stage of history. Not only that, he's been he's been around forever. He is eternal, right? And the the scriptures confirm this for us. Um, back it up. In the prophet Isaiah famously says in, in chapter sixty one verse one, the spirit of the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. And then he goes on and gives his prophecy clearly saying that this prophet was inspired by the Holy Spirit when he spoke this prophecy. There's tons of other examples. Another one real quick. The prophet Ezekiel, chapter 11, verse 5, says, And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and He spoke to me. And then he shares his prophecy. And that is seen throughout Scripture. The idea of the Holy Spirit coming, filling up a human and allowing him to speak um, words of truth and, pro- and prophetic words. But you can even go back to the very first book of the Bible, the second verse where it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit was present at creation. He played a role in creation. And this is important. Why is this significant? Well, first, I think it's kind of simple. In order for us to believe that the Holy Spirit is truly Lord, that He's truly God, He must have always existed. That's kind of a prerequisite to being divine, yes? That you've always existed, that you weren't created. So, there's that. But maybe more significantly for us today is that it shows to us um, the privilege of living in today's age. We live in a very unique stage in redemptive history. You know that? The Creed tells us the Holy Spirit has been around since the beginning. He's spoken to His people through the prophets since the beginning. But now we we know that the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us. And not only that, He lives inside of each one of us. That is good news. That is significant. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Holy Spirit who fills the universe, who fills eternity, fills your hearts. Wow. We live in a very unique time in history. And Jesus realized this. In John chapter 16, verse 7, He's talking to His followers. This is before, obviously, He's gone to the cross. And He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away which must have been shocking to them. For if I do not go away, the Helper, or the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send Him to you. This had to have just floored the disciples. God in the flesh, right there in front of you saying, it's good that I'm going to leave you. I think Jesus knew something that His followers at the time didn't know. He knew that the very Spirit of God, well, through Christ's sacrifice, the very Spirit of God 
would be placed inside of them. He knew that. He wasn't being flattering. He wasn't being humble. He was telling the truth. And he knew that, that this age, that, or he knows that this age that we live in now is very unique and that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it's very critical for us as Christians to be filled with the Holy Spirit, especially in the world we live in today. We live in a crazy world, folks. With the explosion of the Internet, everyone has a voice. Anyone can get online, create a fancy website, and just spew anything and call it truth. Just read a high school research paper or a college research paper citing Wikipedia, for example, or citing any other source. The Internet told me it's true. It must be true. Folks, we need the spirit of truth to be filling us so we can know the truth. We need to be rooted in the, the Scriptures that are inspired by the Holy Spirit, but we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to help us interpret the Scriptures, to help us apply the Scriptures to our daily lives. It is vital in today's age. We also live in a world where we're a mouse click away from, fulfill, from fulfilling any sinful desire we might have. Think about it. Online pornography. Simple click. There's online prostitution. People selling themselves online. There's online gambling. You name it. Whatever sinful desire you might have, you can just click at the mouse and have it. That's why we need to have the Holy Spirit in us so that we are walking in righteousness and that we are an example to the world of the importance of righteousness and that we can um, be a beacon of light in the darkness. Amen? So it's important for us to realize that the Holy Spirit has always spoken to us truth and He continues to speak to us truth to even today in very unique and intimate ways. Make sense? Alright, so the next point I want to talk about... Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. Next point is um, the Lord. The Holy Spirit as the Lord. And why is this important? Well... Over the centuries, there's been this idea that the Holy Spirit is merely a creature of some kind or a force. The force. Star Wars reference from Mark Morris. That's Star Wars, right? It's not Battlestar Galactica or Lord of the Rings. No? Okay. He's not the force. He's not some ball of energy. Um, although over the centuries, there's been those that who want to say that He is somehow less than the Father and the Son. But the Scriptures are, are really very clear. Um, the Holy Spirit is eternal. He's holy. He's omnipresent, meaning He is everywhere. He's omniscient, meaning He knows everything. He's omnipotent, meaning He is all-powerful. In other words, that sounds a lot like God, right? It's because He is. The Holy Spirit is Lord. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus and the Father. They are perfectly united in this Trinity. And they are worthy to be worshipped glorified and honored. The Holy Spirit is worthy to be worshipped, glorified, and honored. The Creed also says that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. What does that mean? This means the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Son. Simple enough. And, the, and the, the Scriptures back this up again. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. 
refers to the Holy Spirit as both the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. John 14.26, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is sent by God in Jesus' name. But why is this important? Why is it important that the Holy Spirit is the Lord? Why is it important that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father, Spirit of the Son? It means that the Holy Spirit is not an add-on. He's not a bonus to following Christ. He is the way to following Christ. The Spirit of Christ. If we want to follow Jesus, we have to have the Holy Spirit inside us, leading us and guiding us, making us more like Him. Right? It it means that the Holy Spirit is not a feeling, not courage, not happiness, not joy. He's not just some fleeting emotion, although sometimes He will certainly manifest Himself in those ways. He's not limited in that way. He's not a fleeting emotion. He's not energy. He's not the force. He's not just there so we can have a good worship service so that we can feel good once in a while. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is Lord. He is worthy to be worshipped and glorified, honored and respected, and obeyed. Maybe some of us struggle being sensitive to the Holy Spirit out of fear that the Holy Spirit will ask us to do something we don't want to do. Or the Holy Spirit will convict of us a, convict us of a sin that we don't want to let go of. Right? I click on, I'm clicking ahead of myself. Whoa there, reel it in. Alright. A.W. Tozer compares the way that the church viewed Jesus, or the early church viewed Jesus, some in the early church, to um, the way that we view the Holy Spirit now. In the early church, there were those that wanted to say that Jesus was a good teacher, was a good prophet, not God. I think what Tozer's saying is that sometimes some of us in today's church treat the Holy Spirit kind of similarly. Here's the exact quote from Tozer. I doubt whether any evangelical has denied the deity of the Holy Spirit. However, we certainly neglect Him and His Lordship within the church. Meaning that with our heads, we know that the Holy Spirit is God. But we don't always treat Him that way. To say, and that's in some ways that's worse, right? To say that the Holy Spirit is God and then treat him just like he's the fun uncle of the Trinity? That's a little worse. Am I, is my computer, is your computer good? Oh, your battery's low. Ah, gets us every time. So here we, we, so we've covered. <laughs> Thank you. I've got 14% left. That'll be about 14 minutes. I can do this. No. Um, so we covered the, the Holy Spirit as speaking to us to the prophets. He's always spoken to us. He continues to speak to us in unique and powerful ways. We've covered the importance of realizing that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and treating Him like that way, that way making Him Lord in our life, giving Him, allowing Him to speak and to give us direction. The last thing, thing I want to talk about, I will end with this. No, I won't. <laughs> is the Lord as the giver of life. What happens when we recognize the Holy Spirit as Lord, when we say, you are Lord, He comes and He brings life. In John chapter 6, Jesus says that, I can't read that from here, that's not good. It is the Spirit who gives life. Think about the areas in your life that feel dead. 
Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you feel like your husband or your wife right now is nothing more than a roommate. Maybe it's your emotions. They always feel like they're up and down, like it's a roller coaster. Maybe you feel like you've been hurt so bad by people that it's hard to even feel anymore. Um, maybe it's frustration or lack of passion at work. Um, feel like you're not going anywhere. Maybe it's, I just feel stuck. I don't know what's next. I have no direction in life. What if the Holy Spirit did more than just show up at a worship service? What if He did more than momentarily make us feel good? What if He offered real solutions to real life problems? He does. Yes, the Holy Spirit provides real solutions to real problems. Well done, slideshow. I can barely read this. This is not good. Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The same chapter says through the Holy Spirit we can put our sins to death. John chapter 16 says the Spirit will guide you in all truth. Isaiah chapter 1 says the, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. Romans 15 says the Holy Spirit causes us to abound with hope. Romans 8 says setting our minds on the Spirit brings us peace. I don't know about you, but these sound like real solutions to real problems in our lives. I'm struggling with being stressed out all the time. How many have been there? Yeah. Set our minds on the Holy Spirit and He brings us peace. I feel like I've just been so disappointed. So many disappointments in my life. I don't. I just feel without hope. He doesn't just bring a flicker of hope like the world wants us to, to grasp onto. He causes us to abound with hope. I don't know what to do next in my life. I just need some direction. I don't know whether to take this job or this job. Where to go next? Holy Spirit is a spirit of wisdom and understanding. He is our guide. I'm struggling with this habitual sin. I can't stop looking at online pornography. Can you get that? Um, the Holy Spirit allows us to put our sins to death. That's a powerful uh, phrase right there. Not just to help us slog our way through it, but to put our sins to death. They're over. I'm feeling like I'm always tired physically. How many can relate to that? I know I can. I get up early every morning. Too early. Always tired. The Holy Spirit can help us in our physical, emotional, spiritual weakness. Amen? These are real solutions to real problems. Oh. Okay. Um, I'm about to do a little science experiment to illustrate my next point. I was never very good at science. Um, not a science major, so hopefully this is going to work out okay. Um, yeah, that's good. So, Adrian's bringing up two glasses of water representing two different people. She's also bringing up some Alka-Seltzer, which is the Holy Spirit. Some of us are like this glass of water. Oh, thank you. We pray, Holy Spirit, come fill me up. Comes. Fills us up. Brings us strength. Brings us power. Brings us peace. Changes our makeup. Changes who we are, right? It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you up in your life. Others of us ask the same thing. Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. Holy Spirit comes. 
He's there. What happened? Really nothing. What's the difference? The difference is, this person says, Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. You are Lord of my life. I give you everything. I give you my past, my present, my future. I give you my strengths, my talents, my shortcomings. I give you everything you are Lord. He comes and He fills us up. He changes us. He allows us um, to live our lives in powerful ways. Um, he gives us abundant life. The person on this side says, Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. But here are the conditions. You can fill me up on Sunday morning. You can fill me up at the next revival conference. You can fill me up when I'm at my wit's end and I just don't know what to do next. You can do it then. But otherwise, please have a seat in the back. I want to make my own decisions. So on one side, you have the Holy Spirit coming with no barriers. On the other hand, you have someone who's put the bo- a box, put the Holy Spirit in a box. Or in an Alka-Seltzer wrapper, in this example. Science experiment worked. Good. When we put conditions on the Holy Spirit, we put conditions on Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. When we put conditions on the Holy Spirit, we put limitations on, we put conditions on the Father. It's the Spirit of the Father. When we put conditions on the Holy Spirit, we put limitations on our own life. I realized that in college. I told you that I grew up in a church where it was filled with the Holy Spirit. Charismatic, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled church. It was great. Went off to college, struggled to find a church. Ended up finding one, but I encountered a church that maybe didn't value the Holy Spirit as much. Maybe our slideshow's done. It's okay. Don't need it. Um, so it doesn't, doesn't value the Holy Spirit as much, this church that I was going to. Um, I saw some hypocrisy that I didn't like. I became pretty dis- disillusioned with the church. Um, I was aware of the Holy Spirit being there, but maybe I was like, reached this point where I was like this glass of water with the packaged Alka-Seltzer. And what was worse is that I knew it. I knew that I, I didn't, I wasn't being filled up with the Holy Spirit. I, I'd been in a place where I was following the Holy Spirit and being filled up daily, but I reached this point where I didn't know what to do. And I remember very vividly as a junior in college telling my girlfriend at the time that I'm okay with being an average Christian. I'm okay with just going to church on Sunday long enough for Jesus to take attendance, long enough for me to feel good about myself, and then to go home. Maybe some of you guys can relate. And those words, those words that I said I'm okay with being an average Christian, they were kingdom killers in my life. They were Holy Spirit killers in my life. One of the most dangerous things to the church today are apathetic, okay Christians. The type of Christians that go to church on Sunday but the other six days of the week live just like the rest of the world and maybe are judging the world. And by the way, this idea of an average Christian is an oxymoron. There is no such thing as an average Christian. Either you are following Christ with reckless abandon or you are following someone else. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to follow Christ because He is the Spirit of Christ. Are you filled with the Spirit of Christ this morning? At the beginning, I talked about my experience in this flag-waving 
spirit-filled church. I talked about my brief experience with the Greek Orthodox Church and the crazy differences and the arguments that I have. But what I've come to learn and what I've come to accept is that there is a mystery in the way that the Holy Spirit moves on Sunday mornings from church to church. And that's okay. The mystery that I'm more concerned about is the mystery of how the Holy Spirit comes, invades a life, and, and breathes life into areas of our heart that are dead. The mystery that I'm more concerned with is how day by day He gives us direction when we feel directionless. Gives us hope when we feel hopeless. How day by day He whispers encouragement when we feel discouraged. How day by day He gives us wisdom in how to handle conflict. Strength when we are weary. Rest when we are tired. Joy when we feel depressed. How day by day He pours out the Father's love on us because He's the Spirit of the Father. Maybe there are those of you today who have been coming to this church faithfully since the beginning. Um, But you've come to a place where you're just okay showing up on Sundays. Maybe even serving on Sundays. But the other six days of the week you feel distant from God. I encourage you this morning to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Have Him come invade your heart anew this morning. And not just this morning, but every single day talked earlier about how this, we're living in a crazy world. It's vitally important that each and every day we're being filled up with the Holy Spirit so He can guide us in truth, in wisdom, in peace, and joy. There are those of you who might have come to church this morning and you think that you're a Christian. You know, I believe in God. I, I come to church most Sundays or I come to church on the major holidays and teach my kids to be good. But there are errors in your life whether it's your marriage or your emotions or your um, career, your friendships that feel like they're dead and they need to be brought to life. If you want those areas to be brought to life, receive the Spirit of life this morning. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In order to do that, in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, first you need to accept Jesus. Because Jesus paid the ultimate price not just to punch our ticket to heaven someday, not just to give us eternal life someday, but to give us a taste of eternal life now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive that today. Receive the life that Jesus bought for us on the cross. We celebrated Easter last week. And that power, can, can the power that, that raised Jesus from the dead can be, you can access any day of the week, not just on Easter. Romans 8, verse 11 says, The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The very power that, that gave life to Jesus' dead body lives in us. That should change us. Change the way we live, the change the way we interact with people, change everything about us. The Holy Spirit is not an add-on. He's not a bonus. He's not a pair of sauna pants. He is the Lord. He's always spoken to us. He continues to speak to us in intimate and real ways. And He brings us life. 